Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Friday, July 24th, and we're talking about a stock that's up over 800% since the beginning of 2019. I'm your host, Stone Lewis, and I'm joined by Motley Fool Premium Analyst, Joey Salitro. Joey, how's it going? It's been too long, Dylan. I've missed that face. I know uh, <laughs> we, we've been talking about this company for quite some time, so I'm, I'm excited to finally get on here and, and discuss it with you. I can't think of a better lead-in than up over 800% since the beginning of 2019. We're looking at a year and a half and 800% gains. The business we are talking about is C-Limited. And and yes, Joey, you, you nailed it. Uh, we have been talking in the background about this business for a while, been meaning to do a show on it for such a long time. You were the natural choice because you own this company and you've been pounding the table on it for a while. Yeah, it's one of those that, you know, as soon as I got to The Motley Fool, uh, in March 2019, it's one of those companies I knew was just the perfect fit because I saw a lot of, you know, Mercado Libre and other winners that we've had in the past. So it's one of those that I mean, I just keep talking people's ears off. Wh- whoever would listen, I just keep talking. I remember full of Palooza, me and you. I was at the table. I think there's like five different people, and I would one by one just start talking about it, hoping you know maybe one of these services will take notice. And then you know I talked about it around the desk enough, and some analysts picked it up, and and here we are. Yeah, and that's a pretty good lens into what Joey's like at HQ. Uh, if he is hot on a stock, <laughs> he is going to talk to you about it until you ultimately give in. And for the most part, I mean, they're they're great ideas, so we're, we're happy to have those conversations. Uh, it, it, with a company like C Limited, because they don't really operate in the U.S., they're not super U.S. focused. There are not um, a lot of folks here who probably know them outside of the investing community. So why don't we talk a little bit about who they are and what they do? Because they do resemble some businesses that a lot of our listeners are probably already pretty familiar with. Yeah, so how I first stumbled upon C Limited is back when it was known as Garena. And so I'm a big IPO nerd. I buy a ton of IPOs on day one. Um, It's worked for years, and now it's almost like the cool thing to do. So I've been getting into the SPAC game a little bit more. But yeah, so this company starts talking about going public called Garena. And I was like, oh, I think I know these guys, the gaming company. And, And that's what they were known for. But as they were actually filing for the paperwork, they changed their name to C Limited. And you could kind of see, you know, they were doing these other things and they didn't want to basically put themselves in one category. So you see uh, C, S-E-A stands for Southeast Asia. So you knew that they were they were going for something bigger. So now we come to today and you've got C Limited and it's basically got these three pillars of growth. And it's about as beautiful as you can make it. You've got the gaming unit, what they were originally known for, Garena. Then they've got something called Shopee, which is kind of like the Amazon of Southeast Asia. And then you've got what they used to call AirPay that now is C Money. And then they've got where it branches out into different categories where it's AirPay, Shopee Pay, Shopee Pay Later, and such, which we can talk more about each individual unit. But yeah, so one way to look at this is kind of like if you combine um Activision Blizzard, Amazon and PayPal into one company. Yeah, and and maybe for folks that follow Mercado Libre, that's an easy comparison. Add some gaming elements to a Mercado Libre type business and that's kind of what we're working with here with C Limited. Exactly. And it's a compelling model. I think one of the the easiest most investable ideas is one that has been proven to work in one market and is being applied somewhere else. Um and 
you know, the, the Garena is the bread and butter for this company. The numbers around that gaming platform are staggering, but they are also investing in a lot of trends that have some major tailwinds. Um, why don't we unpack the gaming business a little bit, though, because that's the majority of the revenue for them right now. Yeah, so gaming was their sweet spot, and that's where they originally came from, which is why they were originally known as Garena. And so uh, the big thing for them is a game called Free Fire, which they actually own fully. And that's kind of like, you know, if you, if you think of like the active shooter games, kind of like a Fortnite. And I mean, that currently sports over 400 million quarterly active users. Now, where they do operate in many of the Southeast Asian countries, and I made sure to note, you know, what comprised of Southeast Asia, which is Indonesia, the Philippines, Taiwan, Singapore, Thailand, Vietnam, and Malaysia. But the gaming unit also extends into India, which, you know, that's that's quite a large population there. So having the exposure there, and it, only 10% of the users are in India. So uh, you've got this massive gaming unit, and that's what kind of generates the bulk of their revenue. And you, you peel back some layers, and you see how they kind of uh, built what they have. So they do have their company-developed games, which are super popular, like Free Fire. But they're also backed by Tencent. The huge Chinese company, you know, like Tencent and Alibaba have their hands in almost everything. And so uh, C Limited, they made this genius deal to sign a ROFR with Tencent. Now, ROFR stands for right of first refusal. And that means anything and everything that Tencent does in China with the gaming unit, C Limited has the first right of refusal to do the same game and basically launch it in their coverage area, all of Southeast Asia. So they can pick and choose. Like if, if a game starts blowing up the Tencent produced, they're like, yeah, we're going to launch it down here. And, and you see how they've got like this funnel of games. They've got this huge user base. And that is this cash machine that then they could use to fund these other ventures, these other huge growth areas. And that, so you can see how this Garena unit is actually what has fueled and been pumping the cash into Shopee and into C-Money. Yeah, it's going to be hard for us to not uh, overemphasize the number of ways that this is similar to Mercado Libre. When, when you were talking about how they have that relationship with Tencent, you could go back a couple of years and say, well, that, that's very similar to the eBay Mercado Libre model. And you know them deciding, you know, we're going to have a stake in you and really help you grow as a business rather than compete super actively. Um, and, and I think there's a good parallel there too, Joey, with the markets that it operates in. You know, you listed off those countries that they're in, and that is not all that different than Mercado Libre in Latin America. You know, they, they've been able to carve themselves out in this very defensible position because they're in super fragmented markets and have been able to combine all of that into one business. And I'm sure for Tencent's purposes, they're like, yeah, if you guys want to be the ones who take this to all these markets for us, awesome. You're saving us a lot of legwork by doing that. And, and so you look at the executive team, and it's actually very smart for the two teams to kind of align with this, because while Forrest Lee is the CEO and founder of C Limited, and he is China, uh, he was born in China, but he has this specialty, and he knew this Southeast Asian market. So by him basically saying, "Look, I'm the expert on these areas. I'm going to go out and do this. I'll basically," and of course, Tencent owns over 30% of C Limited, so they have a significant stake. So even while they're signing this right of first refusal, they know that you know they're going to benefit from the success of C Limited just as much as they will because they own such a huge stake in this company. 
So um, Forrest Lee, another cool thing, I'm just a nerd about these small details, but Forrest Lee, that's he chose Forrest as his English name. Of course, that's not what it is over there. But, um, you know, Jack Ma, he has that huge obsession with Forrest Gump. And, and a lot of these big Asian businessmen just love that movie. And it's kind of like, you know, he, he developed his own dream. He, he built himself. He's a self-made guy, as everybody that's seen uh, Forrest Gump knows. But I even saw like, you know, I want to know the meaning behind this name, like why he chose this and seeing similarities between uh, Forrest Lee and Jack Ma. And then, you know, being uh, partnered up with Tencent, it's, you can see I saw in the very early stages that, OK, C-Limited is pretty much going to be like Alibaba or Tencent in Southeast Asia. Yeah. And, and to put another couple numbers to that Garena unit before we move on and, and start looking at some of those, those e-commerce operations as well, uh, 100% year-over-year growth in Free Fire monthly paying users in April, uh, which, is, which is just staggering for what is already kind of a mature business. And that, that might be the COVID tailwind pushing them a little bit with people staying at home and, and being a little bit more careful, but still a huge opportunity there. Uh, I think less than... 10% of uh, their monthly active users were paying users in India for April. So another another massive opportunity for them. Um, but they have not decided to stay within that small arena, small quote-unquote arena of gaming. They're expanding into e-commerce and, and payments in a real way. And these are really attractive businesses for a variety of reasons, chief really being that they're asset light businesses for the most part. Yeah, because uh, when a lot of people think of e-commerce, they think, you know, it's going to be very expensive to run this. They're pretty much the marketplace where, you know, Amazon started, there's, they're just connecting buyers with sellers. And, and that's kind of the genius part about uh, the payment side is because, look, we're going to take a percentage of the GMV, the gross merchandise volume, and hey, we'll process the transaction for you as well. And they'll, they'll take a cut here. But yeah, so Shopee, was genius because okay, so they're not the only player in Southeast Asia. Shopee is the most popular in its uh, specific markets. It's either number one or number two. Majority, they're number one in those areas. In Southeast Asia as a whole, they're number one. But Alibaba does have a company that they back named Lazada. And then there's Tokopedia, which they're both great platforms. But if you look at kind of like the popularity and, and how people rate these sites, Shopee is the runaway winner. So it's kind of like, you know, Amazon dominates the United States. There's plenty of others in, in our market that do similar things, but Amazon's kind of the go-to. So how they made Shopee so successful was basically making it as good of a platform as Lazada and Tokopedia, but charging less fees. And, and at the beginning, I believe they even offered a lot of these features free that you would have to pay for for Lazada. So they knew if we give the better user experience for the businesses, we will create the network effect because people will come to us to buy it. They'll see their favorite brands on there and they'll see that those brands are, you know, launching more products because it's more, there's more money in it for them at the end of the day to be on Shopee. And then they build this ecosystem. So it's almost like spend money to grow. And by having this superior platform, then you see the network effect take off. And it's just been uh, where Garena feeds that, but it's just been absolutely by the book to perfection what they have done. Yeah, and we've seen the model play out. We know that you know being the low cost provider, building up the network, having more buyers, having more sellers, 
that leads to more buyers and more sellers because you have this active marketplace. And then you can really let the economies of scale fuel your business and, and start to enjoy a profitable business down the road with volume. Uh, and, and the volume's there. I mean, gross orders up over 100% year over year, uh, GMV up 70% year over year. Um, they are trying to grow this business as quickly as they can. Um, and I imagine in a few short years, it's going to be a much larger contributor to their revenue. Uh, it won't be so reliant on gaming. So one of the one of the most beautiful things I've seen is look at Amazon in the early days, and they turned their expenses into revenue streams. So sales and marketing was a huge expense, and it still is today. But you know, offering advertising kind of offsets that. They had logistics because they had to ship all these products. That was an expense. Then they have Amazon Prime, and these different sellers are paying for the fulfillment there. So you see how C Limited can do the same thing, where you know payment processing through this play- platform could be an expense. They turned into C money. They have Shopee Pay and all this. So they're they're doing the same Amazon model, where they're turning these expenses into basically revenue centers. And, and you can see there's a lot more that they could do, but they're just not trying to do too much at the beginning. Just like. Uh, we had an interview with Mercado Libre's investor relations guy and David Gardner, and he was talking, you know, are you going to start doing almost like an Amazon Web Services? And they said, you know, not right now. We're going to focus on what we're good at and maybe in the future, but we're not going to write it off, but we're not going to do it now. I could see C Limited doing the same thing where they start having an Amazon Web Services type service or, you know, like a, a almost like an Alibaba cloud or Tencent that does a very similar thing. And they've got the expertise that they could tap from Tencent to do the same thing. So that's where I see Shopee is losing a lot of money right now, but I don't feel like that will be the case in five years. Another thing I think worth touching on with this business is we've seen with Mercado Libre, but there's a symbiotic relationship between having a digital, you know, commerce platform, having an e-commerce platform where people can buy and sell, and creating the space for people that are currently unbanked or are not part of a digital financial system to make payments and, and creating the space for digital payments. Because in order to you, for you to participate on those platforms, you need a way to pay. And um, very often in areas where you know like smartphones are the dominant way that people are getting online, a lot of these digital payment solutions are taking off. Um, and, and often some of these people don't have access to traditional financial services and are kind of leapfrogging the conventional banking method and instead going straight to these digital options. Um, and that feeds into these businesses so well because it gives them ready-made customers. Exactly. And, and it's where you see that network effect, even on Shopee, where you know they wanted people to sell more because then buyers come in. Once they have those, then it's like, okay, so you're going to need Shopee Pay in order to pay for these items online. Did you know you could also use this over here? You know, It's branded as C-Money. Basically, create the C-Money account and have your banking here, and then you could also use it in all these other places. So yeah, it's not like, um, like a Jumia in Africa where they have a lot of their orders are still COD, cash on delivery, where it's almost like a distrust of the digital banking system where, you know, my money's my money. I'll give it to you when you bring me the product. It's more like they're more technologically advanced, which you will actually see. I mean, the gaming unit technology in Southeast Asia is much more advanced than most people may think. It's much like China. Um, So, yeah, you can see where, you know, underbanked people, you need somewhere to put it. It's almost like creating the PayPal over there is just going to be the main bank. 
And you see they also, um, which a lot of people overlook, but C-Limited actually applied for a full digital banking license in Singapore. So you see they are, they are thinking much bigger because when you offer digital banking, it's like, okay, we are the full-on bank. We also have the payment services that you could use on these multiple websites. But then you also have more and more data on your users. I saw something where you know Google wanted to start offering bank accounts and, oh, Apple has a credit card, all this stuff. That has nothing to do with them just wanting to make a couple, you know, a couple bucks off of your transactions. That is your data. They want to know everything and anything that you're buying because then they can better tailor the other growth centers towards you. Yeah, and and in the U.S., uh, those offerings might be a little bit less compelling uh, because we have access to all of these other financial instruments, and we you know we we have credit card networks that are easily built out, access to credit cards, um, and these digital payments, things like Venmo, PayPal, etc., are kind of tack-ons to all of these financial networks that we've already been able to participate in. Uh, it's very different value proposition when some of that infrastructure hasn't been built out yet. Exactly. Um, so I want to I want to talk about how this all comes together with their financials because we talked about the three individual segments and I love doing the who they are what they do but we also need to give folks a sense of all right what's the top line looking like yeah so we've got it growing at fifty eight percent on the top line which I mean it's no small number and I know it was growing over a hundred percent last year but um, the important thing here is the runway for growth going forward and you see. The total addressable market there, I think there, the population is over 650 million people there. So, of course, they still have quite a runway in the e-commerce side. In gaming, since they offer it in India, they still have quite a bit of ways to go there with the 402, quarter, or 402 million quarterly active users. But so you can easily see where this could continue to grow over 40 percent you know, in the next three to five years and maintain that over 30 percent uh, maybe for the next decade. So I always like to see, OK. The law of large numbers will come into play at some point, but how, basically how significant could this be going forward? And I like that you brought up the April statistics because you can see it's almost like the COVID catalyst. You know, people are staying at home, they're playing video games, they're buying stuff online, they want to pay with things online, they, no one wants to touch cash right now, it's just considered dirty. And it basically plays into all the sweet spots that we have going on here. So of course, the important thing to note is CLIM is still losing money. But they do have $2.6 billion in cash, and they, I know they raised like a billion either earlier this year or late last year. They didn't even need it, but it's one of those like they're getting the war chest ready because it seems like they're ready to make a big move or launch something new. So they definitely have the cash they need to reach profitability. And where they're not absolutely hemorrhaging cash, it is one of those, you know, we'd like to see it sooner rather than later. But uh, you can see like a Mercado Libre and, and an Amazon, if they wanted to turn it on, they could. It's just they would completely turn off marketing spend or, or reduce it drastically. And and so I, I like to kind of go through the financial state. Well, if they didn't do certain things, could they be profitable? And C-Limited could definitely be if they wanted to. But as, as a shareholder and uh, someone that loves growth companies, I'm glad that they're spending to grow. Yeah, and and just to put that cash number to context, they have about 1.3 billion in long-term debt, um, so they're able to cover that relatively comfortably. Um, you know, you're they're in a net cash position, which is always a good thing. 
yeah, $1.3 billion in net cash for someone like this is very important. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, when a business is growing the way that they are, and, and they are really in kind of land grab mode, you don't mind that they're losing money because the idea is that that real estate is only going to be there for so long, both uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, customer mind share and also just customer accounts and all that kind of stuff. You know, if, if you're the first mover in the space, you want to take advantage of that. We see that all the time in the software as a service space. No shock that we're seeing it here with a company that operates in gaming, payments, and e-commerce as well. Yeah, and I just pulled up the uh, the $1 billion in notes that they uh, had put out was a 2.25% convertible note. So it's one of those, if they wanted to raise cash, it's so cheap to do so right now. And uh, that's that would even be more... Uh, it would even be easier now with how rates have been doing. So yeah, if they wanted to go out and get more cash, especially with the performance of the stock, they could easily do so. We can't talk about the business though without also talking about risks, Joey. Uh, I know that you have been a, a permable on this company and it, it has served you very well. Uh, but we uh, And just for, for folks that are kind of following along, we're talking about C-Limited uh, and the ticker is SE on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, and, and the reason I'm going to emphasize the ticker here is this is an ADR, uh, and it's a it's a foreign business. And I know that some people are going to have some concerns about that, particularly in the wake of luck and coffee. And and I think that some of those are well founded. Um, do you have, do you have any ways of like kind of putting people's minds at ease with those? Well, so there's always going to be the potential. Um, but if you look at the management team that we have here at C Limited, there isn't anything shady in the past like you would have found in a luck and coffee. And the business models here are proven. You know, we've seen success in gaming, e-commerce, and digital payments across almost any country. Whereas Luck and Coffee, they, the signs were there. You know, they were a coffee brand that was doing a similar concept to Starbucks, but, you know, we're going to just have it ready for pickup when you walk in. The growth rates were, were so absurd that even Starbucks is like, hey, you know, we're expanding pretty quick. We're growing fast, but nowhere near as fast. So it was almost like it was too good to be true. And it turned out that it was just that. Where a, a C-Limited, you can kind of see it, it makes more sense to me. And that's where I saw it at the beginning. I've kind of seen them grow up as a public company since uh, since I've watched it from the IPO, where, of course, it wasn't all that rosy. I remember... They IPO'd around 15 bucks. I think I got my first uh, couple shares at like 14.75. It ran down to the single digits at one point, and you know that was a world of pain. But you know, just making sure the investment thesis doesn't change, and and knowing you know if they do everything right, this is how significant the returns could be, and this is how big the company could be. So kind of like watching how each unit has turned out. Plus, you know, it's it's one of those. It doesn't take too long for frauds to be exposed. Luckin was a special situation where it just happened so quickly. Now, it could be because they couldn't fake the numbers when everything in China shut down for a little bit and they had to you know, figure out how to make these numbers look better, or they were running out of cash and they had to figure out what to do. I'm not sure what exactly was going on there. But um, with the C-Limited, I just trust this management team more and seeing it from day one when it came public and seeing each release and the numbers always adding up to me kind of adds, I mean, this is, I think, 98% of my 401k. So, uh, I mean, I'm quite confident and I haven't seen anything that kind of throws me off just yet. Uh, Joey has his own rules when it comes to allocation <laughs> and concentration. Uh, that is a That is a high confidence pick right there, Joey. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's one of those. So, so everybody knows I started uh, in house in the Molly Fool in March 2019, and so I I did the the standard you know nine percent of the paycheck going in the 401k, and there's the company match. So, you know all the cash that would go in. Yeah, I was trying to figure out you know where's the right company that I want to do, and and C Limited just hit everything for me. So you know every time or twice a month as cash would hit, I'd just buy some more, buy some more. And I, I kind of had like this running joke with uh, Austin Morgan, who now he's on, on another side of the premium side of this. But um, I was like, you know, I want to buy as many shares as I can up to 80 bucks. And he'd be like, why 80 bucks? I'm like, I don't know. It just sounds awesome. Because the stock was at like 26 at the time. And it, was, it just seemed like, you know, I had a couple of years to accumulate shares and it just turned into a rocket ship. So I didn't I didn't get to build it up as, as large as I wanted, but you know, it's one of those, it grew into a significant position of its own. And then across that market, I was like, fine, I'll go find a second stock. And I've been slowly building that one now. Yeah. You got to water your plants and, and it's good yeah. to have a couple in the garden. <laughs> um, as we're talking about risks with this business, I mean, th those allocation numbers might not be appropriate for everyone. Uh, so that, that's no. possibly a risk. But um, you know, we talked about the ADR side of things and the fact that it's a foreign business. I think too, it's important to emphasize gaming is a really big part of this company right now. The e-commerce and payment side are huge tailwinds and they're go probably going to become very relevant parts of this business. But right now, Free Fire is a huge part of the company as we currently know it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a decrease in popularity from Free Fire would definitely be, it would negatively impact these guys significantly. And that's where I like that they aren't a one trick pony. So uh, it's one of those, you know, you always do your one trick pony test and say, you know, if the primary whatever it is within a company goes away, would that be the death of the company? And, and where Free Fire has, I think it was like over 250 million uh, active users. Uh, and that seems significant when there's 400 something million quarterly active users, but they do have quite the stable of games. So I, I've always been in the belief if Free Fire becomes, you know, a number two or number three, chances are it's going to be something else within their repertoire that takes over as number one or number two. So that that rofer or right of first refusal with Tencent on its gaming unit definitely comes into play because say some game takes off in China, that's where they're going to want to basically launch it in Southeast Asia. And it's kind of like I wish they had to deal with gravity over Ragnarok, which is a popular game in the Koreas and they've been expanding there. But I mean, that's just a, a complete different company that we could touch on at another time. Yeah, and and I have to say, I have been pleasantly surprised with the staying power for a lot of games, and you know that we've seen in the U.S. with a lot of the game publishers, the franchise model is so successful. The franchises are so bankable, um, and a lot of the top-grossing media titles are games. Uh, you know, they are not necessarily movies anymore um, because the lifetime value and coming out with these different versions of the game, these different editions as the years pass, is is such an easy way. In the same way that you know you. Have have a, a superhero movie you make the sequel you make the third movie you just keep yeah. going they allow you so, to do that so with video games i call it the theme park test like if you had a theme park like could this be something that attracts people continually so it's kind of like you know frozen takes off for disney they make the park it's one of those where free fire has become more than just a game with a beginning and an end it's like this all-out battle royale style and because they've got all the pros that have gotten into the into this, they've got the viewers that love watching their strategy to it. They can always make changes to it. They're always innovating to basically make Free Fire not something that is like, oh, well, this is getting old. 
they keep it very entertaining and, and, and interesting, kind of like Fortnite, where they started having like in-game concerts and and they have all these celebrities go on and basically do these these shows within it. You can see gaming is much bigger than it used to be, where it's like, oh, I played this game and beat it. Kind of like the original Grand Theft Autos. You might think, oh, they got to keep releasing over and over. Then they've got this online one or like a Call of Duty. You can beat that game, but Call of Duty Online, it's one of those, it never gets old just going on and murking kids. Like it's, I, I was a gamer for a long time until I had kids and then it, it's just that all went out. But if, you, if you're a true gamer at heart, it's one of those, uh, a great game never gets old. Yeah, and they're intentionally designing the games, whether it's through online play or other features, to make them last, to make them endure. And I don't think that's any coincidence. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, so I think the final comparison that I'll make to Mercado Libre here, uh, after this massive run that C-Limited has gone on, these are almost two identically sized businesses. Uh, by my math, C-Limited is about a $50 billion business. Uh, Mercado Libre currently $49 billion business. So they're just about at parity. Um, I, I think past returns are no indication of future results, Joey, particularly when a company goes on a run like this. But uh, at a $50 billion business right now, I mean, do you still think that there's plenty of growth runway for them? I mean, I think this could be a $500 billion company. Um, it's one of those, you know, if I buy a company, I think it could 10x in 10 years. I am pleasantly surprised when it 8x's in three. So uh, I, I just kind of look at the runway and, you know, Mercado Libre and a C Limited, where if you're looking at it like, wow, that's a $50 billion company, in our notes, I actually put that's it. Like <laughs> that, this is a small company because compare it to like an Amazon at one point, whatever trillion. Like, you can see the staying power and the massive growth potential. Like all of their divisions are growing so quickly. But even if, you know, say for 25 years, they grow over 20%, like that is, you just compound those numbers. This is a massive company. And once they start turning on those profits, like they're, I can strongly suggest that they expand into other, you know, growth vectors. This, these three, this could be the three-headed monster right now, but kind of like an Amazon, you know, they're not just doing, you know, uh, uh, marketplace and logistics. You know, it's much bigger. And I know that C Limited will continue to innovate. They they're going to do something. They'll make big acquisitions. They'll expand more. It, the sky's the limit for these guys, and it's just exciting to watch. Oh, that's the beauty of having that platform and having that customer base is it allows you to roll other functionality, other monetization opportunities in. And we've seen the model work before. Uh, I think we're going to continue to see people take that model, apply it to other regions and see a lot of the same success. And one of the very interesting things is, you know, Amazon started launching a lot of their private label products and a lot of their private label products are not manufactured here in the United States. For C Limited, I always look at, you know, the potential profit if they launch private label products that are actually developed in Southeast Asia, that the logistical capabilities could be directly from the factory to the end user. So when you look at like the strategic placement of distribution warehouses or something like that, the, the gross margin and net profit potential is even more significant than an Amazon. And if you add in, if they start doing like C web services or something like that, kind of like the AWS model, man, this, it could just be absolutely massive. And just talking about this makes me want to buy more. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sure there are some listeners out there saying, 800% Dylan, why didn't you have Joey on earlier to talk about this one? Uh, I, I promise. can only scream so much. <laughs> I promise that next time Joey is pounding the table this hard for something, I will get him on faster. I know there are, in our slacks, there are already other companies that are uh, starting to get to that point. Uh, but Joey, thanks so much for hopping on today's show and walking through the company with me. Always a pleasure. All right, listeners, that's going to do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email over at industryfocus at fool.com, or you can tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you want more stuff, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for all his work behind the glass. Thanks for listening and fool on. Oh,